This morning, I know that most of you at some point have, not all of you, but most of you have met my parents and uh, uh, some of you would know this, others of you would not, but my dad is fairly handy to have around. He's, he's pretty good uh, to have around because he is a very uh, gifted and skilled individual when it comes to uh, helping around the house and things of that nature. And so if you were to drive up to our house today, you would immediately begin seeing things that my dad has helped me in. And whenever I say he has helped me, what I mean by that is, is he's done it and I was there to uh, hold the saw or to hold the hammer or whatever it may be. But uh, he helped us on our front porch redoing some things and trying to modernize it a little bit and update it. If you were to come inside the house, you would see where his handprints really have been over all portions of our house, the living room, the kitchen, the hallways, the bathrooms, on and on it goes. If you could look behind the walls, you would see where he has helped with electrical issues. If you crawled under the house, you would see where he has helped with plumbing issues. If you went into the backyard, you would see where he's repaired our patio. You would see where he helped me or I helped him build the fence. And the list just goes on and on and on the number of things that he has helped me with. I can't begin to tell you the number of times Susie, in the midst of trying to teach the kids at the house, that she has called him and said, okay, I'm having problems with geometry or I'm having problems with algebra. And uh, I know that you know how to do this. I know that you can remember how to do this or figure it out. And so uh, they've worked things out over the phone. They've worked things out in person together. And just so many things that my dad knows how to do that, that, that it has instilled in me this sense of confidence, though I know it's wrong, it has instilled this sense of confidence that there is nothing my dad either doesn't know how to do or can't figure out how to do. Because he's able to do this, able to do this, able to do this, able to do this. And so because of that confidence that I have in him, any time that I am involved in a project that I don't understand and he's not around in person to help with, because of that confidence, I immediately turn to him whenever I need the help or whenever I need the instruction, whenever I need the advice, because I assume he knows how to fix it. He knows how to address it. And so thankfully, as I've probably mentioned before, because of technology and what's available to us, there have been times I have FaceTimed him, and maybe he's driving down the road or he's at a ball game with my mom, whatever it may be, and I'll say, hey, Dad, can you talk for a minute? And I'll begin showing him, here's what I'm working on. Here's what I've gotten myself into. Dad, I need some help. And he begins walking me through it. And so because he has so impressed me with his abilities and his, his understanding of things, I, again, I have this sense of confidence that no matter what it is I'm dealing with, no matter what it is I have gotten myself into, he will be able to help me. Now, this morning, we're going to be in Psalm 119, but before we get there, I want us to turn real quick to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. I think most of us know that in the beginning chapters of the book of Genesis, we have what we refer to as the, the, the Genesis account of creation. I'll talk more about that in just a moment. But in Genesis chapter 2, verse number 7, the scripture makes this declaration. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground 
and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. If you are a Bible believer, if I am a Bible believer, then here is what we believe, and here is what we accept by faith, that God created this world and God spoke everything into existence. That's what I believe and that's what other Bible believers would profess to believe. We would be quick to say that we are not here because of evolution. We would be quick to say we are not here because of a large explosion that took place and somehow all this came together. We reject that thought. We reject that belief. We reject that premise. We as Christians say that God created everything, that God designed everything, and that God spoke it into existence. Verse number 7, if you think about it, is truly an amazing verse. Because here's what we read and here's what we understand, is that God formed man out of the dust or the dirt of the ground. I don't know about you, but if you really think about that and you really ponder that and you really weigh that out in your mind, God took dirt, rearranged it a little bit, and somehow changed its properties a little bit, changed its makeup a little bit. I I certainly don't begin to know how he did it. But he took dirt, began forming, began shaping, began putting into place where the shoulders would be, the arms would be, the legs would be, etc. And when it was all said and done, he breathed into the nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. So one moment there's dirt. I don't know where he was at whenever he began to pick up the dirt, I don't know what part of the earth he was in whenever he began to pick up the dirt, but but one moment there was dirt, and the next moment there was man, and God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and that fast, dirt became life. It's pretty amazing if you think about it that you and I are just a continuation of that dirt. All we are is made up of of dust and dirt. How how do we know? We know this because if we were to die and we were to die unattended and and we were to die, you know, where our, our bodies were exposed to the elements, there was no embalming or anything of that nature, you know what our bodies would return to. It would return to dust. It would return to dirt. It would not stay intact. It would not stay in, in its what we would call normal condition. So if you think about it, our skin is dirt, our muscles are dirt, our organs are dirt. You and I are really just walking clods of dirt that God breathed life into. Now, I don't know about you, But if God can make dirt live, that is a pretty amazing God. And that is a pretty capable God. That is a God who is capable of doing things that our minds cannot begin to grasp or to understand. 
to know that, that, again, I mean, if you just think about it, to know that there was dirt, and however many moments later, because the Bible says he formed man, so as he put it all together, one moment dirt, one moment just a shell of an individual, and the next minute God breathes life into it. And all of a sudden, the blood is flowing, the organs are working, the muscles are contracting. That is an amazing God. Now that in mind, go back to Psalm 119. In Psalm 119, verse number 73, the writer says basically what we just read in Genesis chapter 2, verse number 7. Speaking of the Lord, of course, he says, Thy hands have made me. And essentially he says this, Thy hands have fashioned me. So Lord, your hands made me, and Lord, your hands fashioned me. So what exactly would that mean whenever he says, Lord, you made me, and Lord, you fashioned me? It would basically mean this, Lord, you formed me, and God, you have established me. It's as though the writer understands, and it's as though the writer is making this declaration, God, I am here because you made me, and God, what I have become, it is because of what you have fashioned and performed and accomplished in my life. So it's like the writer understands and it's like the writer declares, and I know that we've touched on this in previous messages, but here we are again this morning for, I think, reasons necessary. But here the writer is saying, God, as you made me, or God, as you formed me, and God, as you fashioned me and established me and, and placed me here, it's almost as though the writer is wanting to make sure that, that the Lord knows that he knows this. God, I know that my existence is not an accident. Just as you took dirt there for the first man and, and you began to form him and you began to shape him and you began to make him, God, I understand that you made me and that, God, you formed me. And, God, you are the one who put together the dust, so to speak. And, God, it is you that, in a sense, brought the dirt together. And the reason that I am here today is not just because a man and woman came together and I am the byproduct of that relationship, but, God, I am here because you made me. You formed me you're the one who brought me here. My existence is not an accident, and my existence is not a mistake. And God, not only did you make me, but God, you're the one who fashioned me. God, you're the one who established me. God, you are the one who has brought me to this point in my life. God, I recognize, it's as though the writer says, that I am here because of what you have done in my life. Not because of anything that I did, not because of anything that I accomplished, not because I determined that I would make this of myself. No, Lord, I am here because you created me, you made me, and God, you fashioned me, God, you established me. Lord, you did this. Now, if that was true of the writer of the psalm, I want to ask us something, and we're going somewhere with this. 
I want us to answer this question. Who then made us? God made us. My existence is not an accident. My existence is not a mistake. My existence is not just the byproduct of two people coming together a little over 41 years ago. My existence on this earth is because the hands of God, though my mind cannot understand this, the hands of God made me. God made me. He formed me. Again, though I am human with flesh and blood and and everything that everyone else is made up of, I'm no different than Adam. I'm really just modified dirt that God made. I'm here because God made me. And you are here because God made you. There is no such thing as an accidental individual. No person in this world, whoever they are, wherever they are, whatever they're doing, their existence, though maybe not planned in the mind of an individual or the parent or whomever it may be, their existence, their existence is founded upon the fact that God formed them and God designed them to exist, to be on this earth at whatever time they are on this earth. Not only that, not only does the question who made us have to be answered, and and I think that we would say, I, I trust that we would say it was God, We could ask this question. We could contemplate this. Who fashioned us? Who got us here? What brought us to the place that we're at today? Again, the answer to such a question would be God. Lord, you made me or you formed me, and God, you fashioned me. God, you have established me. God, it is you that has brought me to this point. I did not do this on my own. At no point somewhere in eternity past did I say, okay, now one day I'm going to be born. I'm going to be born with health. I'll be born with strength. I'll be born with the sound mind. I'm going to grow up. I'm going to one day get married, have a family, pastor a church, buy a home, buy cars, do some traveling, things of that nature. I did not accomplish any of that on my own. You know why I've done everything that I've been able to do? It's because God did it for me. The reason that you've done everything you've been able to do, the reason you've experienced everything you've been able to experience, the reason that you have the life you live is not simply because you created the life you now have. You and I enjoy what we enjoy and we possess what we possess because God has allowed us to enjoy and possess what we have. 
while we can take credit for many of the mistakes and the faults and the failures of our lives, we cannot take credit for the blessings and the goodness of God in our lives. God is the one who has done this for us. God is the one who has brought us to this point. It is God who has brought us to this place. And as you think about this, I want us to notice what he says next in the verse, Thy hands have made me and fashioned me. Then he says, Give me understanding. Give me understanding that I may learn thy commandments. I don't know about you, but to me that seems like an, an odd connection there. God, you've made me, and God, you fashioned me. And because of that, I am asking you to give me understanding so that I might learn your commandments or learn your precepts. So what does it mean to have understanding? It means this, to have perception or to have discernment. And to learn something means to be taught or trained in a particular area. And so here's what the request of the writer is, is this, is, Lord, I'm asking you to give me the discernment and the perception that I need so that I can be taught or trained in your word. God, I want understanding. God, I want discernment. God, I want perception of your word. God, I'm asking you to teach me. God, I'm asking you to, to show this to me. God, I'm asking you to train me. God, I am asking you to do this in my life as it relates to the commandments and the precepts of your word. Now, again, the connection seems odd, at least to me. One moment you're talking about how God has made you and fashioned you, and the next moment you're saying, Lord, give me understanding that I may learn your commandments. So how does this play out and how does this make sense? Well, here's how it makes sense and plays out in my mind. The Word of God, as we know, can be a bit difficult sometimes. The Word of God can be a bit confusing at times. Say more about that in just a moment. But, but the Word of God can be difficult at times. Can it not to understand, to grasp, and, and to know exactly what the Word of God is teaching or expecting or, or whatever the approach is? It can be difficult at times. And so it's almost as though the writer says this, Okay, now, now Lord, based on the fact that you made me and you've established me, it's like the writer says, I've got confidence in you now. Whenever I recognize that you made me and that you established me, you formed me, you created me, and you brought me here, I have confidence in you that there is nothing you can't do. And because of the confidence that I have in you that there is nothing you can't do, I'm asking you to take your commandments, your precepts, your word, and here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to open up my little brain and begin showing me 
and began revealing to me and began teaching me and trained me and, and, and revealed to me what your word teaches. God, if you can make man out of dirt and God, if you can establish the dirt that you've created, then certainly you are capable of taking your word and revealing it to me so that I can understand and discern your word for my life. You understand the correlation here? God, you've already proven yourself, and because of that I now have confidence that you can do this. And because of my confidence, I'm asking you to do just that. Teach me your word and give me understanding. What does that have to do with you and I this morning? What, what relevance is there to that thought? I want to ask you this morning, you answer in your heart and mind however you see fit, because it may, it may be different, it may vary from person to person, but just answer this question in your mind. Is life difficult at times? Of course it is. If you look around, I don't know what your perception is. I only know what my perception is. But as I look around, here's what I begin to kind of perceive and, and begin to conclude in my mind that life is hard because if life was easy, a lot of people would be doing a lot better than they are right now. Is that a fair enough analysis to make, maybe, of, of some people at least? I mean, I don't know about you, but you consider the, the topic of marriage. And it must be a little bit harder to have a good married life than what it seems. Because not everybody seems to have a great marriage. So there must be some challenges to having the right kind of a marriage uh, there, there must be some challenges out there that people are facing and dealing with. You consider the subject of raising children, and, and it's obviously not easy. You, you consider the subject of priorities. You consider the subject of emotions and feelings and, and keeping those contained and keeping those under control. You talk about spiritual issues. You talk about so many different issues. And, and here is what it seems to be for so many people that life is difficult and life is hard and people are almost at a loss on how to address the issues of life they're facing. It just seems that way. And many times, I, this again from my perspective, many times the same issues that people are wrestling with outside the church, people inside the church are wrestling with the same issues. We don't know how to make the marriage work. It seems like we're constantly speaking different languages. It seems like one day is good, but the next day is bad, and the next day is okay, and the next day was really bad. And for a couple of days, things go well, but man, for a while, it gets really rough, and, and we hit some hard patches, and, and, and it seems as though we can never quite get on the same page for very long, my husband and I. That seems to be the testimony of some, even in a church. 
There are people who in the church, not just outside the church, but people inside the church who would say things like this, we're having such a tough time with our children, we don't know what to do. It seems as though they're rebelling against this and they're rebelling against this and they have no desire to do this and we can't motivate them to do this and I don't know what to do. It can be difficult, can it not? Seems like I can't ever get my feelings and my emotions in check. It seems like one day I'm happy and the next day I'm sad. One day I'm up and the next day I'm down. And it seems like it is a constant battle of the mind. I don't know what to do, so many people say. I don't know what to do with this problem. I don't know what to do with this problem. I don't know what to do with this problem. What do I do? Start out, myself, you, anyone else, start out with this understanding that God made us. That's a good place to start. God made us. So begin reminding yourself, okay, God made me. Not an accident. I'm not a mistake. I'm not here because of, of something that was, you know, not planned. I mean, I'm here because God made me and I am where I am at because God has done this in my life. Now, seeing what God has done in my life, the fact that I exist and the fact that He has worked and the fact that He has done so many things. Begin giving attention to that truth. And then let that begin instilling some confidence in you. That God, if you've made me, which you have, and you have fashioned me, which I believe you have, then here is what I am confident in. That you can give me understanding so that I might learn your commandments, your precepts, your principles for my life. I don't know if this makes sense. I don't know if I'm conveying this the way that I'd like to, but but think about this for just a moment. God, I don't know what to do with my marriage. It's not an uncommon place for people to arrive. God, I don't know what to do with my children. I don't know what to do with my money. I don't know what to do with my my. my my feelings, my emotions, whatever it may be. God, I don't know what to do. Okay, this is when you go to Him and you say, God, I don't know what to do. But I believe you know what to do. God, you have the answer. God, you have the direction that I need. God, you can walk me through this. God, you can give me the steps. God, you can begin showing me in your word, this is what I'm supposed to do in my life. Knowing that God created us should give us the confidence that he knows how to direct us and to lead us and to guide us no matter what issue in life it is we're facing. God, you have the ability. 
to open up my mind, to open up my heart to what your word says, what your word requires, what your word expects. And God, I can know what to do. Not because I'm so smart and I can figure it out. But God, you have proven you know what you're doing. And God, you can accomplish this in my life. I don't know if this is true of very many. I don't know if it's true of most or if it's very few people who would admit to something like this. But I think there are so many people who go through life, and again, that may be an overgeneralization of things, but I think there are so many people in the church who go through life thinking that certain answers simply cannot be found. And if they can be found, it can't be found or obtained or acquired by them. Well, I'm just not smart enough. I'm just not educated enough. I don't understand. I don't understand the language. I don't understand the writing or the, or, or the approach of the Scripture. I, I just don't have the ability. And I think there are many people who go through life and they have convinced themselves they can't understand the Word of God. They've convinced themselves that someone else will have to teach it to them. Someone else will have to bring, the, bring it to them. That, that someone else is going to have to declare it to them. And it's good to be exposed to the teaching and the preaching of the Word of God. It, it's good to be exposed to Bible studies and, and things like that. But, but I want us to understand something this morning. That if we've got questions, God's Word has the answers. If we lack understanding in this area of our life, God's Word has the answer. If we need insight here, God's Word has the answer. If, if we need to know what to do over here, God's Word has the answer. You and I as individuals, you and I as believers, we have got to come to a place in our spiritual lives that we have so much confidence in our Heavenly Father that no matter the situation. We are convinced he knows what to do. We're convinced he knows what to do. Bottom line, though, is this. I can't convince you that God has the answers any more than you can convince me that God has the answers. I can't say to you and convince you God has the answer for this area of your life if you'll just go to his word, study it, meditate on it, and apply it to your life. I can't convince you of that any more than you can convince me of it. But this morning, I just want to remind us one more time. He made us. He's the one who picked up dirt, formed it, breathed into the nostrils, and made man a living soul. Don't we think and don't we believe 
that the word that he wrote, that he can give us the understanding we need of it? He can. But we have to believe it, and we have to ask him for it, because he will not force it upon us. You and I can remain uninformed. You and I can remain ignorant. You and I can remain in the dark, so to speak. We can remain in that condition as long as we want. But if we want answers to the questions of life, whatever it is, we can go to our Father and say, Father, I'm asking you for understanding because you formed me, because you made me, and because you fashioned me. Let's all stand this morning and bow our heads for prayer. Fathers, we come to you this morning. What I hope and I, I pray that somehow I've communicated reminded us of how amazing you are. God, there's nothing you don't know. There's nothing that you can't address. There is nothing that you cannot help us with. And Lord, for us to